The following audio is from Two Pillars Church, a gospel-centered, missionally-focused church located in Lincoln, Nebraska. More information about Two Pillars Church can be found at www.twopillarschurch.com. All right, well, hey, I don't uh, re-watch very many movies, but one of my favorites, in fact, it's become a Bumgarner family favorite, is called Dan in Real Life. And for whatever reason, uh, we watch this every year around Thanksgiving in in my home. And uh, in it, Dan... The main character is played by Steve Carell, and Steve Carell, I think, is a brilliant actor in serious roles. He, he does a phenomenal job at that. Early on in the movie, there's this scene um, where uh, Dan is heading out of town with his, with his three daughters. Now, in the, in the movie, Dan has, has lost his wife, and so he's found himself as, um, as a single dad raising three daughters, and they're heading out of town early on in the movie... And uh, they stopped to get gas. They're heading out to the, the family cabin or something like that. They stopped to get gas. And there's this scene where he's pumping the gas. And he's got this sort of, <laughs> you know, exhausted look on his face, pumping the gas. And the youngest, the nine-year-old, sticks her head out the window. And she says, Dad, are you okay? And, and, and he's, he's watching Dan, the, Steve Carell, he's, he's watching the, the pump. And the numbers just going up and up and up. And he goes, there goes Jane's college education. There goes Kara, and the nine-year-old goes, oh, no, Dad, what about mine? And she, he goes, no, that, you're okay, you're okay. And then he goes, oh, nope, there goes yours, right? There goes yours. And, and maybe you can relate a little bit as we've watched gas prices kind of steadily march north over the last couple of years. I know I can. Um, um, I don't know about you. We felt the, the, the rising costs of everything <laughs> lately, gas um, groceries, health insurance premiums that tend to increase and outpace even pay raises and, and somehow yet yield worse coverage and a higher deductible. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, good. It's not only me. That's great. Um, in our house, I've started to understand like our, our kids are getting older and our bills are getting bigger. That's what that kind of marks my life at this stage right now. And I'm sure um, many, if not all, in this room can can associate with that in some way, shape, or form. And I say all that not to stress you out and make you like start checking your bank balance, you know, are we going to make it to payday or anything like that, but to acknowledge the situational context this morning as we talk about money. We're winding down our lengthy topical series here on the church. There's one week left after this, and then we'll get back into preaching through the book of Romans, but this morning we're asking the question, who funds the church? And this is a really important question because how we answer this question, not just with our mouths, but with our very lives, how we answer the question greatly reflects what we believe about the church. Think about it this way. Your your bank statement, in a very practical way, is a theological statement. Or or to put it more pointedly, your, your bank statement is an ecclesiological statement. It contains an aspect of your own personal, practical theology of the church. It greatly reflects what you really believe about the church. Now, on the one hand, we have to admit that the New Testament, um, you know, in the New Testament, it virtually has nothing concrete to say specifically about your financial contribution to the 21st century congregation to which you belong, okay? On the other hand... The New Testament has a lot to say about money. In Paul's instructions to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, when he's instructing them about taking up a collection from the Gentile churches for the the Jewish Christian churches, he exhorts them to give sacrificially, generously, proportionately, regularly, joyfully. And so we have some principles 
On that same hand, like Jesus himself has a lot to say about money. He says it's a, it's a master and that you can't serve two masters. You, you cannot serve God and money. He also says where your money is, man, that's where your heart's going to be. And then it's impossible for someone who is focused on money, kind of consumed with money. It's impossible to enter into the kingdom of God unless, in fact, you think that a camel can go through the eye of a needle, right? Now, my point this morning is not to talk about how much to give, but who gives? Who funds the church? And and you might have some real practical questions about how much, how often, that sort of thing. To answer those, I'm going to post a a video on on Realm this afternoon. It's actually a video that we shot to address those questions back a year ago when we did our We Are Stewards sermon series. Um, I'd encourage you to check that out. But the reason that we're talking about this this morning is is because money matters. It matters. Uh, You know, I've always loved how the writer of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament um, the writer of Ecclesiastes is able to, to capture essentially the, the overview, the, the overall biblical view of money in two verses. When he writes in, in chapter 5, he who loves money will never be satisfied with it. Right? And, and then in chapter 10, a little bit later, he writes, bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens the heart and money answers everything. And so we're not to love money, we're not to worship money or to be consumed with it. It'll never satisfy. And yet, money matters. It answers everything. It, it answers things like, how do we afford a place to gather? Right? After all, the church, essential to our identity as the church, the ecclesia, the called out and gathered together ones, essential to who we are is, is gathering like this. Money answers part of the question of, How do we do that? How do we pay the bills? How do we pay the insurance? How do we replace the plumbing and the carpet from the 80s? You know, how do we service the HVAC units so we can continue to have heat when it snows in March? You know, how do we fund aspects of ministry that need to be funded? How do we together support the work of church planting? How do we let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching? How do we not muzzle the ox but live out the reality in the church that the laborer deserves his wages, as 1 Timothy 5 says? We're not to love money. It'll never satisfy. It's vanity to chase after wealth, pretending that it will. And yet, money matters. The Bible has a lot to say about it. Jesus has a lot to say about it. In fact, one of the things that that he said about it, it it isn't actually recorded in any of the gospel accounts. Um, It's only recorded for us in this passage in Acts that Andy just read, where Jesus is, is quoted as having said that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Do you believe that? I mean, not just with, with your, um, your head, you know, not, not just in between your ears. Do you believe it in between your armpits? Do, do you believe this in practice, that it's more blessed to give than to receive? With a theological statement of your bank account, show forth your belief. That's what we're looking at this morning. We're looking at money. We're, looking at, we're talking about giving. And, and yes, we're doing it in the midst of a season of inflation. But you know, I've, I've looked multiple times, can't find any caveats in here that we're supposed to act any differently in a season of inflation than a season of non-inflation, or whatever that would be called. Normal times, something like that, right? In fact, if anything, seasons of financial stress expose our heart on the matter, don't they? And so this morning, specifically, I want us to look at, number one, how we relate to giving. 
how we do. Number two, how God relates to giving. And number three, how it all relates to the church. Now, the context of our passage here in, in Acts chapter 20 is the Apostle Paul, he, he's, he's been addressing the Ephesian elders, okay? In fact, this might sound familiar. We've looked at this earlier in the series, but just four verses before this, he said to them, pay careful attention to yourselves and all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, the ecclesia, which he obtained with his own blood. Right now, down in verse 32, he says, I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. This is where he begins. By fixing our eyes, not upon earthly treasures, but rather upon our eternal inheritance. Like you and I are filthy rich in Christ. We are. Not in dollars and cents, but in every spiritual bling in the heavenly realm, right? We're loaded, absolutely loaded, rolling in it. And then he says in, in verse 33, he says, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Paul is saying here, you've watched me. right? You've, you've seen my life. I, I didn't covet anyone's money or, or possessions. I've worked hard providing for my needs as well as the needs of others. And in that, I've set an example for you to follow. Work hard. Work hard to earn. Work hard to provide. Not in order that you might store it all up and, and pat yourself on the back saying, good job, you're self-sufficient. Attaboy. Not because if you work hard and, and sort of amass enough that you can live comfortably and not have to worry. No, Paul says, I did this to live out what Jesus taught. When he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. How do you relate to giving? <laughs> you know, there's two different types of people when it comes to managing what ends up in our hands. We'll call them for the sake of fun this morning, we'll call them, you know, spenders and savers. A, a spender says, boy, it's been a long day at work. I'm really tired. I wonder where I can grab some takeout on the way home. Right? And, and a saver says, it's been a long day at work. Boy, I'm really tired. I think I got some SpaghettiOs in the pantry, you know. A, a, a spender, for a spender, 20 minutes on Amazon, right, and, and your, your fingers are cramping up from clicking so much. And you got a full shopping cart, right? Just ready to, to click and, and send. A saver says, 20 minutes on Amazon? <laughs> That's ridiculous. What would, what would you do? For, for a spender, the UPS driver's invited to your wedding, right? <laughs> for, for a saver, the, the UPS man has a hard time finding your house. You've never been there, you know? The saver says, I have a coupon for that. The spender says, it's a coupon, all right? For the saver, you go to the movies only when that frivolous relative gives you the gift card and you smuggle in a Shasta in your coat pocket, right? For the, the spender, you go to the movies often. You've got the $25 all-you-can-eat popcorn bucket for the year, and, and you grab M&M's, Twizzlers, you know, and some Milky Ways, and a hot dog and a slushie and a beer on your way in, and a movie poster on the way out, all right? The saver says, 
if we play our cards right, in five years, we can take that weekend getaway. <laughs> and, the, and the spender says, that's what credit cards are for. <laughs> we'll get the points, you know? Now, listen, you, you, this, that's in jest, you know? We, we can spend to the glory of God, and we can save to the glory of God. But what's ironic about both of these obnoxious caricatures is that they're actually two sides of the same coin. Don't you see, in both cases, overspender and oversaver, they're grasping, both of them are grasping for themselves. Consuming and hoarding. They're they're both born out of self-interest. They just have a different horizon. And think about a kid on Halloween night. Whether she eats every Reese's peanut butter cup and Kit Kat and mini Snickers immediately and goes, goes to bed with a tummy ache and throws up in the middle of the night, or if she stashes it all away to ration out through the whole year, right? Either way, she's keeping it all for herself. Spenders and savers, see? Jesus, though, he gives us a third way. Instead of being consumed with spending or hoarding as a saver, Jesus tells us, It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to spend or to save out of self-interest. Now, our flesh, you know, just the, the default wiring of our hearts, apart from Jesus and his Holy Spirit, our our flesh doesn't believe this, does it? I mean, how many of us, I wonder, you know, last year when you maybe you got that stimulus stimulus check? Now, I wonder how many of us, when you got that stimulus check, your first inclination was, I can't wait to give all this away. No, there's something about receiving. There's something in our flesh that when we get, it kind of turns us all into Schmeagle in Lord of the Rings. And we're just, we're all kind of like, precious, you know? It does it to all of us. Remember the first time I found myself in a pay it forward line at Scooters? Do you know about this? I was at Scooters. I didn't realize this is what was happening. I didn't even realize this was a thing until it was too late. So I'm going through the drive-thru line. I ordered my hot vanilla latte with an extra shot because they upsold me, you know. And I, and I get up there to, to pay, and they say, the barista says, hey, don't, don't, don't worry about it. You know, the person in front of you paid for your drink. This, this is the first time it's happened, first time for everything, right? So I'm sitting there, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And I drove away, you know. <laughs> and the fact that you are all laughing about it like, makes me realize that I was kind of in the dark on this thing. I get halfway home, and I'm like, oh, oh, you know what I should have done? I should have got the guy behind me. The second thing that crossed my mind, though, was, what if they ordered, like, four drinks? You know? <laughs> that's, that's the game, you know? And it's, you know, that's, that's how it works. One of my daughters this week, I didn't know this was a thing either. One of my daughters this week, she, she said, hey, we're sitting at the dinner table. She said, hey, somebody randomly Venmoed me $10. Somebody I don't know ran, randomly Venmoed me $10 this week and said, have a great day. Now, I'm not a teenager, but if that happened to me, I'm sorry to admit my gut reaction is not, I know who I'll give this to. <laughs> no, instead, we swipe up, we swipe left, we launch the Amazon app, and before we can even spell Prime, We got something in the cart, you know? See, the default wiring of our heart says it's more blessed to receive than to give. The default wiring of our heart says it's more blessed to spend 
than to give. It's more blessed to save than to give. But Jesus says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Some translations render it happier. To to give is happier than to receive. Early on when we first planted two pillars, um, we we committed to giving 10% of everything that came in. We committed to giving 10% of that right back out the door to to the work of church planting, just giving it away. Um, And we've continued that every year. You know, 10%, this year, 10% of our operating budget goes straight out the door to, to support the work of, of church planting. Now, that was easy for us to do when there was 20 of us. You know, it wasn't very much money. It was like, okay, again. Um, it's harder when there's more of us. You start thinking about, well, what could we do with that money? And yet Jesus says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. This past week, I was curious, so I poked around and ran a report. Our data goes back to 2011. Now, 11 years In 11 years as a church, we have given away roughly $237,256.20. I don't know who got the the two dimes, but that church planner was like, whew, thank you, right? That's that's an incredible amount of money. And that's gone supporting church planting works in Havelock and Hastings, uh, Joplin, Missouri, and Tulsa, Oklahoma, Davenport, Iowa, and Boston, Japan, Africa, India, over a quarter million of your dollars and mine, folks. That's a lot of scratch for a church our size. But we do it because it's more blessed to give than to receive. When I saw that number this week, it made me happy. Not because, not in some prideful way, like, oh, wow, look what we've done, you know, that's incredible. But in a, can you even begin to imagine the work that our God has done in all these churches with all kinds of people in that kind of way? We can't even begin to imagine how God has multiplied this quarter million of dollars for his glory and the good and the salvation of people. It's more blessed to give than receive. One of the best ways that we see that this principle is true is by actually looking more at Scripture and, and, and seeing how God himself, how he relates to giving. Have you ever thought about how God relates to giving? It's really quite spectacular. In fact, if you were to sit down and read the Bible cover to cover, like in a month, just intensely read it in a month, you'd see the, the concentrated truth, undiluted right by your, your natural propensity to get distracted or to look for what you really want to find in the Word, you'd see that the God of the Bible is radically and extremely generous. It's part of the meta-narrative. He just gives and gives and gives. In Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, right, first chapter, he's giving. He, he makes a, a beautiful, a, a garden home for Adam, right? A, a, a breathtaking, beautiful, bountiful, rich land filled with all kinds of delights. In chapter 2, he's, he's giving. He knows it's not good that man should be alone. And so he gives Adam a wife. He said, here you go, Adam, for you. And, and here you go, Eve, For you, each of you, for each other. Biblical marriage was and continues to be a beautiful gift from God. Chapter 3. We know about chapter 3. We know sin. We know sin comes into the world. But even in chapter 3, God is giving. When Adam and Eve sin, they hide in their shame. 
like we do when we sin and hide in our shame. While they were hiding naked in the bushes, holding up fig leaves, trying to cover up their nakedness, right? God made warm, durable clothing for them, and he, he gives it to them to cover over their nakedness, to cover over their shame. He also makes a gospel promise to Eve that one of her descendants would reverse the curse that she and Adam had ushered into creation. He gives. Chapter 4, God gives. He gives Eve three sons, one impartial fulfillment of his gospel promise to her. We're only four chapters in, right? It just keeps going. God gives Noah and his family safety in the flood. He gives Abraham a covenant. He gives Sarah a son. He gives Isaac a wife, Moses a staff. He gives deliverance to the enslaved Israelites, including a dry land to walk on through the Red Sea. He gives manna in the desert. He gives Joshua a friend, Samson strength. Jonathan a friend, Joshua the land, sorry. David a kingdom. He gives Solomon wisdom. He gives the widow of Zarephath her son back. Naaman his skin back. Like we can literally make a list of hundreds of times and ways that God just gives and gives and gives in the Old Testament. Which all culminates, of course, when we get to the New Testament. And God gives the most open-handed gift of all and what we know is probably the most famous Bible verse of all, that God so loved the world that he, what's the word, church? Gave. He gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Man, if that's not generosity, we need a new definition. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, undeserving, unworthy, while we were still rebellious and hard-hearted and even some of us running away from God, Christ gave, he gave his life for us. You know, the Apostle Paul in, in Romans 8, I can't wait to preach Romans 8, by the way. But in Romans 8, Paul asks a rhetorical question. He asks this, he says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, with him, graciously give us all things? <laughs> Church, the staggering, sobering, comforting and yet awe-inducing answer is he would never not. He shows us. He proves to us. Don't you see? It's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, the gospel tells us that our Father in heaven has given us the greatest gift that we could ever receive. Jesus. And through faith in Jesus, eternal life with him. And there's nothing that he exacts in return. Like, you don't owe him a solid. He's not waiting for you to pay him back by your works. In fact, you can't. You never could. You never will. You're not indebted to him in the way you feel indebted to someone who gets you a Christmas gift, but you forgot to get them one. 
You're not expected to pay it forward like some sort of religious drive through line and then judged when you don't. It's free. It's free. Salvation comes to us as a gift by the free, unmerited work of Jesus. The grace of God. There's nothing better to receive. And it's free. He gives, we receive. And when we realize that, when we realize the, the, the real, fullest, Jesus-fulfilling meaning of it's more blessed to give than receive, it's only when we realize that we've been given in Christ grace upon grace upon grace, an imperishable, glorious, incredible inheritance that no amount of earthly stuff or saving or experience can touch that we truly understand for ourselves that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Thirdly then, how does it all relate to the church? I'll tell you how. You know, do you remember what I said earlier about your bank statement being an ecclesiological statement? About it containing an, an, an aspect of your own personal practical theology of the church. But listen, your, your giving to the church reflects what you believe about the church. Not with respect to amount that you give per se. This really has little to do with amount. But certainly when it comes to principles like sacrificially and proportionally and generously. But it reflects how you, what you believe about the church. Here, here's some things we believe about the church around here. Number one, we believe Jesus loves the church. And with this series in particular, we've been trying to sharpen the, the, the pencil a little bit, the, the point that Jesus not just loves the church in some abstract way. Jesus loves Two Pillars Church. We're one of his churches. Like, he loves us. He loves Two Pillars Church. That's one of the points that we've been trying to stress. He loves us. Jesus came for the church, including this one. Jesus lived for the church. He died for the church. He rose for the church. He ascended rules and reigns over the church, including this one. He sent his spirit into his church. He's building his church. He promised that the gates of hell will not stand against the, the, the church. Right? He commissioned his church to make disciples. It's the church that makes and matures and unleashes missionary disciples of Jesus, right? To live as the church in our ordinary and, and everyday lives so that those who are not the church may become the church and experience the love of Jesus too. Jesus loves the church. He nourishes the church. He cherishes the church. We've, we've looked at it already, but Paul says in Ephesians 5, he sanctifies the church. Listen, through the church... People's lives are changed. Some of that happens in this room. A lot of it happens in your living rooms. But through the church, people's lives are changed. Not just so they can get through some hard moments of suffering and struggles, though that happens. Not just so we can get out of the undertow of culture trying to carry us along in a current of expressive individualism and self-creating identity, though that happens. Through the church, people's lives are changed, not just so we can have some peace to quell the waves of anxiety in a world that's drunk on it, not just so we can live in this world with meaning and purpose rather than manufacturing our own. No, through the church, people's lives are changed for eternity. 
It's much bigger than what we think about when we say, I really like some transformation to happen in my life. Eternity is in view. Eternal life, eternal death. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Listen, God, our good father in heaven, didn't give his only son so that whoever believes in him wouldn't be sad on Monday. No, God, the good father, like the the giver of all gifts, gave his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Like, that's what we're here for. Not just to get a pep talk and some weekly warm and fuzzies. Not just to, to get a little bit more meaning and purpose in our life and, and a little less anxiety and, and, and a little bit more identity and a little less, you know, a little comfort in, in the struggles. We get all those things and they're good things. Those are good gifts from our Lord that he gives to us. But we gather here to worship Jesus, let's not forget, who has rescued us from hell and given us an inheritance in heaven to the praise of his glory. We gather here to point and laugh at Satan by singing to Jesus who has conquered him along with sin and death. That's better than a little spiritual pick-me-up. We, we gather to proclaim that the, the name of Jesus is above every name across all nations, everywhere, and across all time. We gather because we're his church. Right, we, we, we gather to sing like amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch, a wretch like me. I once was lost, man. Now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And, but we also gather right, to sing that when we've been there, in heaven with Jesus, in his actual literal presence for 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. Man, we will have no less days to sing his praise than when we first begun. Jesus loves his church. Jesus saves his church. He gives an inheritance to his church. And when you realize that all of that is true for you, when you have received the greatest gift that there is to receive, Jesus, when you realize there's nothing else left to receive that's better than what you've already got, then, and really only then, can you be free from your flesh and agree with Jesus that for you, for your life, it is way more blessed to give than to receive. And if your life has been radically transformed, like I'm talking about, the, the blessing part of that, more blessed to give than to receive, the, ble- the happiness part of that comes from seeing more people receive the same thing. It's never going to run out. And so you give. You give to the church that Jesus purchased with his own blood. You give that churches can be planted and established, that that more outposts in the kingdom might be established. That the gospel would be preached and lives would be transformed in sanctuaries and living rooms. And as you grow and mature as a Christian, 
Just like as you grow and mature as an adult human being, you take on increasing responsibility and ownership. This is part of what it means to be a mature disciple of Jesus. We reject consumerism. We embrace contributionism. (laughs) We contribute what we can sacrificially, generously, proportionally, joyfully, and we must. Churches built on consumerism don't last beyond a generation. We have to mature disciples into taking on responsibility and ownership. So we take responsibility, and that's, again, way less to do with amount, way more to do with your heart. Who funds the church? We do. Because we love the church. Because we are the church. Because Jesus made us his church. And we love Jesus. Let me just close this morning with some real practical financial stuff. This is actually going to be a, a, essentially a financial update for you. Um, just to kind of put some things in perspective for you as we talk about who funds the church. This is a, a shot here of our, our giving and our budget uh, year to date. And so our average monthly budget for 2022, in case you were one, is just a little bit north of $26,000 a month. If you're a member here, we presented the, the details of the, the budget to you in the members meeting in early February. And so you know where the money's going. If you've got questions about that, our financial team would be happy to, to answer those. In January, our giving was a little bit higher than our average monthly need. And in February, it was a little lower, okay? And so by God's grace, year to date, we're just barely shy of right on target, okay? But you look at that, you're like, well, what happened in February? I don't know. We'll find out in March, I guess. Um, but listen, by God's grace, he, he provides for us. And I want to I encourage you to continue to be faithful in this way. Continue to be faithful. I know it's tight. I know it's getting tighter, I feel it too. But I want to encourage you on in your faithfulness. If, if you call Two Pillars Church your home and you're, you're not giving in any way, man, we want to encourage you to begin. Just begin small. You say, well, why would I need to if, you know, if you're just almost you know, meeting it and making it happen? Well, listen, there's way more that we would love to be doing um, that, we, that we're not doing. Money matters. Money's the answer for everything. It usually answers that question. So we want to encourage you to give and continue to give generously. Some of you are radically faithful and generous and sacrificial in your giving. Continue on, brothers. Continue on, sisters. Be encouraged in what the Lord is doing here. Ways to give. If you've never given before, you can give in all kinds of ways. Just like you pay any other bill. You can write a check and send it. Like you can do your bill pay thing and and get it here. You can use the give boxes at at the back of the room and and, and give that way. Or you can give online. Um, on Realm, our, our internal tool. That's the, the snapshot of the last couple months. Additionally, we're in the middle of a building campaign, right? And, and I want to give you just a little bit of update on that this morning, too. So in, in 2021, last year, you know, we purchased this building. And God has been extremely generous to us, not just in raising the, the money for that and providing it, but also just the deal to get in with, to begin with, right? Like we got an, an incredible deal on this building and then God provided easily on top of it to, to get it done. We secured the building in 2021. That was our, our goal for 2021. And now in 2022, we, we're putting things under this heading of securing the future. An additional $175,000 over what we purchased the building for. Where we're at with that, okay, or, or just a part of that, what consists of that 175000 25000 of that is a maintenance fund, okay? If you've, if you've ever owned a home before, you know things can go wrong, 
Um, hailstorms can come, and you need to have some money in the bank to be able to pay that deductible. Our deductible, in case we get a hailstorm on this building, is $10,000 to replace the roof. So we need to have that socked away. We need to be ready in case an HVAC unit goes out. So we've got that socked away, right? We've secured that. That's what that green check mark is there for. The $25,000 maintenance fund has been secured. Next, the, 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 the next $100,000 that we're raising is for upgrades and refresh and renovations. We've had some initial plans. If you were here for the Bride of Christ party last year, we presented some of those. And um, we're currently evaluating those plans, partially because of an idea and an opportunity to reconfigure the space in between the Geneva house and the hallway that goes down to the bathroom to have more than, maybe more than one toilet in the building. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? And so we, we're, we're looking into that and trying to cost that out. And looking at the, the kids' ministry area to see, you know, what we might want to do and, and ways to refresh and renovate that. And then the last 50000 of that one seventy five is for church planting and, and seeking to, to raise and to sock aside some funds to, to have funds ready to be able to help support a church planting resident. We don't have anybody in mind. We don't have anybody on the radar. But we want to be positioned for that when we do. It'd be really easy, really easy at this point to say, you know, let's just not worry about that last 50K. That was a stretch, and just let's just forget about that. Or it'd be really easy to say, maybe we should use that for something else, you know? Use it for ourselves. We're not going to do that. Why? Because the bank statement of the church is an ecclesiological statement as well. We believe in Jesus, and we believe in his church, and we believe our city and region need more churches to keep reaching more people. And that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And we want to be a part of that. Where are we at with all this fundraising? Well, if we go to the next slide. As of today, God has generously provided $452,682. Church, this is amazing. It's just incredible. Outstripping. Yeah, come on. (laughs) Outstripping, outpacing where we thought we would be. And that means that we have, um, we've already moved beyond that 25000 maintenance fund. We have $50,000 in hand to begin renovations. That's half of what we were aiming for, for the renovations, and just under hundred k to go for what we set out to do. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. I know, again, many of you have sacrificed and given generously to this. I want to encourage you to keep doing that. Keep on. It's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. So be, like, be a person who doesn't sit back and say, somebody else will probably take care of that. Continue. Stay engaged in that. It's more blessed to give than to receive. I want you to experience the blessing of being a part of this. It's ours. It's yours. You know, just to kind of put things in perspective for you for that last home stretch there. By the way, I drew that myself. I am proud of that. I am. If you're wondering, wow, who created that? This may have the spiritual gift of drawing junk like that. It's great. Um, if, if, you, um, if you do just some rough math, right, we've got about 100 active members. And so just rough math. If, if every active member gave $1,000 between now and the end of the year. I, listen, I know that for some that's crazy. And for some it's not that crazy at all. And we put all that together, the craziness kind of averages out. Okay, but that's just, kinda, just to kind of give you a mental hook for like where, where that might need to be. Um, that's, that's in the ballpark of where it is. But I want to encourage you to take responsibility. I want to encourage you to get creative. Look around your house for junk you're not using and sell it. You know, stuff. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that we can do this um, together. But I want to invite you into that as we show forth our love for the church and um, all that Jesus does for his church and through his church. And let me pray and we're going to get ourselves to the table this morning. Uh, Father,
you have been and continue to be incredibly generous to us. Financially, yeah. Always providing for our needs. But infinitely more than financially, Lord, you have provided and been generous in sending your son Jesus. Giving him for us and to us. And we praise you and thank you this morning. Lord, would our hearts overflow with, with fullness? Would peace wash over us knowing that we have received the greatest gift in the world? It's free and there's nothing better to get. And so, Lord, encourage us and strengthen us. Motivate us on, Lord, to continue to live generously for your glory through this church. And praise and honor Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Two Pillars Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Two Pillars Church, please visit www.twopillarschurch.com.